Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans and is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball and who we can share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode number 29. Uh, recording here on October 13th, Wednesday night. It's about 8.15 at night. Uh, you know, about 24 hours away from the kickoff of Game 5, the last Division Series game um, of the 2021 postseason. Three teams are already in. Two teams are still waiting for their shot at the LCS. So, uh, today, me and Alex, of course, are going to be covering um, wild card games recap, you know, going over how we saw those games and, you know, how we saw the winners really, you know, pull through in both of those games. And then, of course, going over the American League Division Series and then the National League Division Series and kind of just talking about, you know, who we thought was the strongest, who we thought, you know, really, really just kind of impressed us and talk about some key performers in those games. Um, but yeah, we'll kick it off right now with, uh, you know, basically just going over the first couple games that started off the 2021 postseason and that was the AL and the NL wildcard games. So AL wildcard game of course was between the Red Sox and the Yankees at Fenway Park. The NL wildcard game was between the St. Louis Cardinals and the LA Dodgers. So we'll start off with kind of the first game that came out in the postseason and it was the Red Sox and Yankees. Um, Alex it really kind of started off you know before the game we our our place and our bets were pretty much in for the Yankees and they had the position to win that game but I mean just kind of a stunner by Boston I mean they really showed us don't count us out Mm -hmm. and you know we're still strong and we're still here so give me kind of your take throughout through that game kind of of who you saw were some key performers in that game in uh, the wild card game yeah so obviously one of the first things that really stands out is the the difference in performance between Garrett Cole and Nathan Uvalde um you know, Ivaldi is a you know pitcher who I feel like, uh, as we kind of covered in our episode about like the season awards, his ERA is a bit high, but I do think his his I guess what he offers is is better than what his ERA might indicate, and he just had one of his electric performances. He did really good. Um, I think he only allowed just one uh, only one run was given up by by his pitches. It was a, a home run to Rizzo, I believe, and then he allowed a base hit and he got pulled. Um, an infield hit, which I thought I thought he got pulled kind of early, but in a in a winner take all game, you know, losing go home. Uh, at the end of the day, you want to pick, you know, I guess there's probably a game plan, and I respect, you know, the, the it, it went favorably for the Red Sox, so I'm not gonna say that they did something that was too terrible. But um, Evaldi did amazing, and Cole, obviously, Travis, you know, if you watch the game, uh, something was off for sure, and I think part of it, um, people were kind of pointing to different, like maybe a calf issue there's different like potential issues that people were kind of noticing in this in his I guess his last like four or five starts before the postseason began people were already kind of noticing a bit of a slip in his performances and it did continue in a wild card game um, the Red Sox really got to him um, they got to him quick one thing I want to add Travis also is um, the game of course was played at Fenway Park like you said 
and that was due to the head-to-head. You know, the, the, two, the, two, the two teams were tied in regular season record, but the head-to-head um, record was a slight favorite to Boston, so they played it in Boston. And if that game was played in, in a Yankee Stadium, I can promise you it'd be so different because John Carlos Stanton hit two balls very off true. the very top of the Green Monster Wall. And I just can't believe that. And, and, and so, you know, one would have been an exclamation point first inning home yeah. run, which obviously kind of sets the tone for the game. And the other one was going to be a two-run shot, but instead um, they relayed to get Judge out at home, which was a crazy um, great turn from Kike Hernandez in center field to Bogarts and then all, all the way all the way home to get judged by a couple steps there. And um, honestly, if if they were playing Yankee Stadium, I want to say both those balls probably would have left the ballpark because they were just on a line drive to the top of the wall. Um, so that's, and honestly, that what that tells me, Travis, is the importance of some of those regular season games, especially in the division, because like we said, if, if Yankees had won more game one or – Obviously, if they had one more win against the against the the Red Sox, they would have been at home. So, um, I think it really worked out uh, perfectly for the Red Sox, and they punched their ticket to face the Rays, of course. And that's an excellent point because we're talking about Fenway Park, which is probably the most um, just unique ballpark in America. You know, the dimensions and the size of the walls. It, it's 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 a, it's, it's a real home field advantage. It's it's really like no other ballpark. And and I think I was explaining to someone. Um, I think on our Boston trip, but you know, it's crazy how, you know, you, even that right field foul pole, it is so shallow, probably about three eighteen, maybe down that line. And then you literally hit the ball. If you hit the ball about 15 feet to the left of the pole, it goes back all the way to three eighty. So mm-hmm. it literally is just almost a parallel wall that you kind of have to battle um, with that ballpark. But yeah, no, I mean the, 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 the play and the hitting of Stanton that game was remarkable three for four that night with a home run could have been a three home run game to really kind of start off his wild card and playoff uh, resume. We know he was fantastic last year and it looks like it was carrying over this postseason. But when you play at Fenway park, you have a big green wall in left field. And some of the struggles are getting the ball over that. Um, You see a lot of guys sometimes even pop it up and it goes out and you're like, okay, that would have never left any ballpark. That would, that would have been a pop out at every ballpark in America. But then of course, if you hit a shot line drive, at the very top of it, that could really hurt you. That ball could go on for 40, 50, 50 more feet. Yeah. And any other ballpark's not going to hold that. But um, just to kind of just go over kind of the key performance in that game, great start from Bogarts. You know, I think he's kind of like the captain of the Red Sox right now because he's been there since, you know, their 2013 championship. Um, he's kind of been there through uh, the rough waters and also their, their triumphs and their successes. But, um, of course, uh, you know, we always talk about acquisitions at the trade deadline. And Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber, one of their big acquisitions, big home run off Cole. That's what really kind of bounced Cole out of that ballgame, I felt, um, allowing that just mammoth home run. It went 435 feet um, to uh, to right field. But that, like I said, really kind of just took Cole out of the ballgame. And, and, you know, Yankees have a really good bullpen. But you knew when Cole left in the third inning, you kind of knew – the Red Sox were in, in control. Crap. At least. Y- y- you really knew crap. You bounced out the guy that really is a strong, um, a strong contender for the Cy Young this year. And as we all know from postseason pass, this guy is excellent in the postseason. And you really just kicked his butt in the third inning of the wild card game, and it's three nothing. But you know, Yankees kept on fighting. Rizzo had a home run. Um, but you know what? I mean, I think the moral of the story of that night was just Nathan Evaldi. I mean, we saw him pitch at Fenway Park two weeks prior in person and it was just kind of like 
it wasn't terrible, but the Red Sox were definitely piecing a lot of balls up and were hitting a, ball, a lot of balls, you know, out of the ballpark or off the wall. So it was definitely concerning seeing that game. And I think we talked about it in the last podcast. It, the, the, the Yankees line up perfectly in a wild card game. They have Garrett Cole. They have an elite bullpen. If Cole can give them six innings, give up two or three runs, we can still see them winning this ball game. Um, even, and then also going to the pen as well. But um, just kind of a, yeah, just, just a really uh, unique start to the postseason. You know, I think we all were kind of stunned because, uh, you know, Yankees finished the season somewhat, you know, I would say somewhat cold, but also hot. They did play the Rays the last season or the last uh, series of the year, and they lost two out of the three games. And the last game was the walk-off, you know, infield single by Judge to win one nothing. And maybe I thought that was a little momentum they can get to go to the postseason. While the Red Sox, you know, losing two or three to Baltimore, and then they go into Washington, and I think they took two or three from the uh, from the Nationals. Yeah, they had to come back in the last game of the season. Yeah. Exactly, and Sale Sale did not look good the last game of the season, and we're thinking, uh oh, the Red Sox are going to have to, you know, play some game against either the Mariners or the Blue Jays, and that just does not look good because the other teams have so much hype right now, uh, and they just put this one together and are able to advance to the division series. So, uh, you know, really hats off for kind of just putting it together putting all the focus into this one game, you win one game and you're into uh, the division series where at least you can lose a game and still recover and come back in a series. This is just, you know, game seven you're playing right here, right now. But um, anything else to add on that game? I mean, it, it, it was it was a good game to start off the postseason. It was, it was, it was, you know, the rivalry made it fun, of course. That's always a, a big part of the, the narrative for, you know, those two teams. I think every Red Sox fan wants to you know, hammer home to Yankees fans that, you know, they got the, they got the better of them this year, which no one saw coming into the, into the, you know, into the season, the Yankees were the betting favorites to, you know, come out of the American league by quite a bit. But yeah, like you said, I mean, the postseason acquisition, sorry, the midseason acquisitions made a big deal. Schwarber of course was huge. Um, but even, even the, the regular, like at the beginning of the regular season, the acquisitions in, in the, in the off season, um, Guys like uh, Kike, Kike, uh, Kike Hernandez have just been good, not only in the wild card game, but uh, has been very good in the division series, which we'll get to uh, in just a moment. But um, yeah, the Red Sox have kind of proved that um, they're run smart, they get the right guys, and they, they didn't really have to rebuild since 2018. 2018, they obviously won the championship a couple seasons where they you know weren't even playoff teams, and they're just back. Um, being a threat again. So that just kind of shows they know what they're doing when it comes to staying relevant and staying a, a contender. The rebound by the Red Sox, I would say, is, I mean, it, you're like, you're right. It is very impressive to see this team stumble last year, bottom four of the MLB. Now this year, of course, we'll get onto the division series, but winning the wild card game against the Yankees, I mean, no one really thought that. Um, and just a way to rebound this season has just been. Really, really spectacular and remarkable. But we'll head to the um, NL wildcard game. And so, you know, the moral of the story and the moral of the season, you know, the American League always is, is the league that has the offense, and the NL always is the league that has the pitching. And we really saw that in the wildcard games. Eight runs scored in um, the the American League wildcard game, and then through eight innings of this game, only two runs scored from, you know, by combined for both teams. So really just a pitching duel in this one. But... Um, you know, at Dodger Stadium, Cardinals coming in 90 wins, the hottest team in September, really having the momentum. I think a lot of people saw them really tripping the Dodgers this game. But of course, the Dodgers coming in 106 wins, still having to play postseason baseball the last day of the season. 
but you know, you have the loss of Max Muncie. So I think that was a really a downfall. And then a couple of days earlier had the loss of Kershaw. So you knew that both those guys weren't going to be allowed or, or able to play in the wild card. And if not the division series and possibly even more, but um, I think that was kind of a letdown for the Dodgers, but uh, you know, what a game that game finished and it finished out to be. I mean, we saw the Hollywood lights, the, the Hollywood ending of that game. Um, give me kind of your perspective on that game, you know, how it went, top performers, people that you really saw that impressed you. Yeah, um, it was, like you said, it was two good starting pitching outings by Max Scherzer and Adam Wainwright. Um, both guys had great regular seasons. They deserved to kind of be on the bump on a big game, and they both uh, pretty much delivered. I do think that, you know, uh, neither were just, neither were so dominant that you had to leave them in the game because they both got pulled in probably earlier than they would have liked. They both probably wanted to say, Coach, you know, I got 100 pitches in me tonight. They both got pulled, you know, a little bit earlier than maybe they did. Definitely. They, they didn't they wish. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, both teams, you know, the bats weren't, weren't really there that game um, all the way until the ninth inning when, of course, uh, Chris Taylor hits the walk-off home run. Um, really uh, low-key clutch at bat uh, by Bellinger right before to get a single to keep the inning alive. And then Chris Taylor, of course, uh, walked things off. They went in for uh, – Alex Reyes, I believe, who was yeah. an all-star uh, relief pitcher, had a very good first half, and then he actually lost his closing duties in the second half because he kind of slipped up. Um, you know, he was not really their closer for the uh, for that big stretch they had. It usually was a uh, you know Gallegos who they already used in the game prior yep. in the eighth inning, I believe. Yep. So seeing uh i guess seeing them put go reyes there you know it's easy to criticize the decision when we, we, we know the outcome already but it obviously ended up not being the move he just kind of hung a slider for taylor and he just took it deep um you know a bit of a no doubter and uh it it, it does kind of stink that you know some really good players who had really good years like tyler o'neill had a bit of a breakout um and dylan carlson a really good rookie uh, he's gonna get rookie of the year votes um and then you know goldschmidt arenado are, are you know perennial all-stars some really good players and obviously Wainwright um had their you know their Cinderella story uh, crushed by Chris Taylor but you know the Dodgers proved to be the better team we both picked the Dodgers to win that game um it just felt like in a one game scenario anyone can win but your betting odds you have to go uh you have to just put your money on the team that has not only been there before with this exact group of guys um, but they've also added guys at the deadline they're just by far the more stacked team. It made a lot of sense why the Dodgers came through in the big moment. No, definitely, because you knew if Scherzer for some reason gets you know on a short lease and he's out in the third inning, you know they definitely have Urias to go and get some innings. And then, of course, that bullpen. I mean, Roostard, Gratterall, uh, Blake, Blake Trinan. Blake Trinan's been great this year, yeah. Knable, and then also Jansen. Um, the bullpen is so elite and you saw that. I mean, when Scherzer left the game, it was kind of like, uh Oh, can this bullpen get through this? And, you know, I think they put in Joe Kelly and they put in Knable trying and trying looks like he's throwing a wiffle ball up there. I mean, yeah. it, it is, it is almost stupid watching him pitch. 99 sinkers are just yeah. breaking your hands. <clears throat> I, mean, do anything. I mean, Lily just got to pray that you can hit the ball, but, um, you know, and, and, you know, getting close and closer and closer to that ninth inning, you know, I feel like in most scenarios you would think in a game like this that the Cardinals might have the edge because they're forcing a tight game for this very, very good Dodgers team. And they're really forcing them to down to the end. It kept on ringing a bell of the 2019 NLDS with the nationals and the Dodgers. I felt like it was like, Oh my God, like the nationals are the wildcard team going into this division series against the 106 win Dodgers that year. Um, 
and they're going to extras. And, you know, I feel like there's really no pressure on them still. And they came out with the win with a big grand slam from Kendrick. But in this game, it felt like it was swinging a little bit more towards the Cardinals way. Just my opinion. But uh, they were getting guys on, but they just could not get guys in. And we just saw their hitters being baffled. Um, a lot, a lot of strikeouts for the Cardinals hitters. Um, and then, of course, you know, guys just for the uh, Dodgers walking and getting on. I mean, the one guy that definitely rang a bell for um, me this game for the Cardinals was Tommy Edmond. Great game for him. Three for five, two stolen bases, a run. Um, he was all over the place for the Cardinals. He had a fantastic wild card game. Yeah, I, I love Edmund. He just is, you know, scrappy. He's he's kind of like almost like a David Fletcher type who we definitely. obviously love as an Angels, Angels guy. But um, Tommy Edmond is... A David Fletcher with probably a little bit more gap power and, and uh, the, the stolen bases is the reason why he ended up uh, putting up that only run by the Cardinals because he stole second. I think he got sacrificed to third, if I remember correctly. It but was, then, yeah. Then he broke home on a wild pitch. Yeah, so which is crazy. <laughs> w- without, the, without the stolen base, he's not in that situation. So, um, yeah, you know, hats off. He had a great game, but obviously... You know, your leadoff hitter, who's more of a contact guy, having one great game is not going to get you the wild card win most most of the time. Definitely. And then, of course, a couple impact players I thought, too, were, um, you know, Cody Bellinger was one for two that game, but he had two crucial walks. And, of course, the one walk, we remember, was the walk to get onto first base in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, then took a risky but a well-played move, stolen base to second. And that's when Chris Taylor, of course, delivers the huge hit to win the game. But I mean, I, I'm just I'm going back to that moment. And uh, McFarlane was the pitcher that was in for the Cardinals. And I was just thinking, man, you got two strikes, two outs, bottom nine. You cannot walk Bellinger because he he's going to hurt you with the speed. He has a great speed as well. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. You let the walk happen. He literally takes a stolen base. I'm pretty sure Dave Roberts was you know visualizing himself out there from 04 taking yeah. a big crucial stolen right. base. But you knew that a single. Uh, was going to win the game, and Chris Taylor ended up just saying, I'm just going to hit over everyone's head and hit it into the stands. So um, a great finish to that game. Chris Taylor just kind of a uh, – honestly, the Dodgers just continue to create these, like, super utility guys that turn out to just be – I mean, just – I mean, just total clutch and just tremendous players. I mean, we look yeah. at some of these players, um, and we'll cover them else on the other teams that are playing in the postseason right now. But, I mean, Chris Taylor, out of nowhere, just became a complete stud. Uh, this year was an all-star and was the hero in, in the wild card game. And just, again, a guy that you just don't, you can't let off on this Dodgers lineup. They are so deep. They are so good. And Chris Taylor, the bottom guy literally made him pay. You know, you think it'd be bets. You think it'd be uh Turner, but no, it's literally Chris Taylor that yeah. comes through in the end. But um, again, a, a, a fashionable Dodgers win, you know, kind of always making their fans a little nervous, uh, probably growing some gray hairs. And then, of course, they come back and have a, have a wild finish in the end. Um, I feel like they did that a lot last year, especially in that NLCS being down 3-1. Um, but let's move now to the, um, the division series, because, of course, um, very, very high scoring and some very, very, you know, low, low scoring, scoring games, series. of course, but yeah. we'll cover the, um, let's cover the ALDS first, uh, okay. kind of going over those series. And of course we'll start with the team that, uh, you know, me and you both picked to be probably the most successful in this playoffs. And that is the Houston Astros. They were playing the Chicago White Sox, uh, started the first two games in Houston. And then the next two games were in Chicago, of course. And if there was a game five, it'd be back in Houston. But I mean, Alex, all I can say about this Astros team, and we've seen this for five years now, you know, I am a firm believer, of course, that pitching wins championships, but also hitting wins championships too, because this team can flat out 
hit the baseball. Yeah. 31 runs in four games against not just – you're not going against Kansas City Royal pitching. You're going against Chicago White Sox pitching, which has very good starting pitchers, Giolito, Lynn, Rodon, and, and of course, Cease. a good bullpen. Yeah. And Cease as well and has a tremendous bullpen. And they scored 31 runs in four games. Um, take me through that series. I mean, it was a short one, but it was a great series. Yeah, uh, the Astros – really just kind of reaffirmed, I feel like, the stuff we predicted going in, Travis. We both kind of... We, I think he, they're a pick to win the World Series for yeah. both of us, but, um, you know, they still got a lot of, long way to go to get that uh, get that done, um, that prediction. But uh, we, I think we just saw this coming. You and I, we, we, <laughs> we watch a lot of Astros games because they play the Angels a lot, and we have just seen firsthand what their lineup, what their lineup can do top to bottom. Uh, you know, you might look at their lineup and you see some seventh hitter named Tucker... And if you're not aware, he actually... Scariest guy in the lineup to me. This is a fun fact, Travis. He has the highest WRC+, plus, so arguably the best batter, out of every single team in the postseason. Wow. Did you know that? I did not know that. So did not know that every team in the postseason, Tucker, there's an argument to say he's the best hitter on a rate basis, which is just like, uh, he's batting seventh for this team most of yeah. the time. I was I was telling you by text, Travis, that I think he should get promoted to like a, two, a two-hole mm-hmm. spot just because having... Uh, you know that power hitting lefty before and after Bregman is is a nice little like lefty and righty guys, lefty yeah. mm-hmm. um, that could be the two three four but uh, yeah anyways essentially we both kind of saw these Astros bats we, we kind of knew they were gonna wake up at the right time uh, I do think that the White Sox did I, the White Sox I'm I'm very I, I don't know I think hats off to them because in a couple ye- a couple years ago they were not in this position at all but they not really they really yeah. decided to say. We have some good up and coming guys like, uh, you know, of course, Luis Robert. Um, Elo Jimenez is getting better. Abreu is always still almost in an all star conversation. So they really went for and went and got Lynn. They, you know, they went and got Keiko in a 2020. They've just been making moves to be aggressive. They went and got Kimbrel the deadline. So I really respect the direction they're trying to take. But I think going into the playoffs, Travis, I really just was counting them out because the second half, their record was not very good. Uh, they didn't really have any momentum going into it. Like we've both said, they've been coasting for a long time. In reality, Travis, their division is just kind of weak, and they had a um, they had a worse record actually this year in terms of winning percentage than they did last season, which you wouldn't even think because they added wow. you know uh, you know they added Lynn, they just made a lot of good moves. But um, essentially, I think we both, you and I both saw this coming. We both predicted Astros over White Sox, and we were kind of fulfilled. Um, you know, every single guy in the Astros feel like they contributed. You know, Tucker. Great series, Altuve, you know, great series, stealing bags, getting hits, getting singles when you need singles, getting home runs when you need home runs. Um, you know, Jordan is always a threat up there, and Correa had a great series as well. Bregman hit, I think he almost had a 400 average of that series. Yeah, they really yeah. top to bottom just kind of picked apart um, the White Sox pitching, the White Sox bullpen, which we've been talking about how good it was all year. At the, you know, it was already good, right? We already knew they had, um, you Opec. know. Crochet, Kopec and Crochet are guys, yeah. Kopec and Crochet both throw 101 miles an hour from a righty and a lefty. They can both give you multiple innings. You had Liam Hendricks, who you got in the offseason, which I liked the move a lot. He was the best reliever in uh, 2020. If you look at 2019, 2020 combined, it's probably Liam Definitely Hendricks yeah. as the best reliever. They went and got him on a huge deal. And at the deadline, Travis, they add to Para, they add Craig Kimbrell. They give up a, a, a really touted prospect. 
um, their second baseman, Nick Madrigal, gave him to the Cubs, said, we just want your closer for this big year coming up. We know we can make a run. I respect it. But we just kind of knew the Astros' bats were just not going to be playing around. And they really stuck it to that bullpen every single game, it felt like, honestly. No, definitely. And we talked about this for you know the last two months. The White Sox are, I mean, the White Sox, I think, were just playing bored. And I think that momentum, of course, is very key in going into October. Um, we've seen teams, we've seen Angels teams clinch it in the beginning of September. And I feel like you just kind of are playing minor leaguers to rest your other guys. And then you go to the division series, end up getting swept. You know, yeah. you're really not having a purpose, where at least the Astros were still playing with a purpose. They clinched the division the last week of the season. Um, you know, teams were still hot in the American League um, West. And of course, they were kind of still playing for, you know, could they chase down the Rays for the home field advantage for the entire American League playoffs? And also they had to still uh, keep the wins up because they wanted to have home field advantage for this series as well. Um, the White Sox were approaching them for, um, you know, total wins. And that would have been, you know, something that the Astros don't want to do. They want to play at home, of course. But yeah. you bring up a good point with um, going over to Tapera because Tapera had some obvious comments in this series that were really interesting. Um, basically summarizing it up, he said that, you know, you know, Astros scored 15 runs in the first two games combined um, and that, you know, their bats are something else at Minute Maid Park, basically just saying, you know, kind of kind of saying they're cheating still. Yeah. And um, interesting to say that uh, because, you know, I, I you know, the scandal happened, you know, in 2017. There's really no, um, you know, verified reports of this thing happening in, you know, really in 18 or 19 or anything like that. I know the whole buzzer thing in 19 was definitely a discussion, but there really isn't that much evidence. But um, either way, at this point, Travis, 2020, 2021, all eyes are on the Astros. Exactly. So if they were trying to cheat still, um, it, I, I think it, they would have been caught already. I think people would have noticed. And Travis, I also did a little bit of a little bit of research on this as well. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I did look it up. Uh, essentially, the Astros. So, the the basis of the comment was Tapero was saying the Astros are not. They, they, he's like they swing and miss uh, way more in Chicago than in Houston, which mm -hmm. is what he was saying. Mm -hmm. He said that Houston, they were not whiffing the ball at all, which he thinks they probably knew what pitch was coming. Is is his mindset, I guess. Um, and then Dusty Baker, you know, shrugs it off, um, says that that's BS. But um, anyways, the stats don't back up what Tapera said at all. If you look at the uh, Astros as a team, their team hitting is just as good on the road as it is at home, whereas a lot of other really good teams are better at home than exactly. on the road, which makes sense. Which because, makes sense, yeah. Uh, the White Sox have, you know, a several points different in their OPS at home and road. Astros, it's pretty much the same. Um, their strikeout rate, Travis, Astros home and road, it's like within 1% difference, whereas mm -hmm. many other teams are 2, 3, 4% difference. Um, better, they, they strike out way less at home than, than on the road. Whereas the Astros, it's almost the same. Honestly, the Astros are a really good road team. They are. So it just, and, it and just, you it, heard Correa at the end. Yeah. And so obviously, obviously the Astros kind of um, took offense to the Tapera comments and it inspired them to really light up the they just their bats lit up in that game four and they clinched it in four games which um i guess we saw we saw coming we saw astros as the better team yeah and also to, to show to para you know one easy stat line you can just show them in games one and two at minute made the astros scored 15 runs games three and four in chicago they scored 16 runs so hey you're doing better on the road so yeah it's just kind of a it was it was just a weird inappropriate and stupid comment to make because it's just like okay you're just mad because the astros are just owning you so much right now yeah. And, you know, it it really is kind of a weird thing. But you brought up, you know, this thing went four games when, honestly, the momentum looked like in game three, it should have just been a clean sweep. 
we saw a really weird umpiring play, and it was the Yasmani Grandal play that just was a very it was a head scratcher and it really shifted the momentum of the game because we see, I think it was bases loaded. Grandal hits a chopper to first base, which Grandall's not a good base runner. You know, you can easily throw it home, get the out at home and get the out at first, get a nice double play. But Grandall hits the first and is running in the infield grass. He's coming from the left-handed batter's coming box. from the left-handed batter's box, running in the infield grass, which I've seen that happen about probably six or seven times in my life, and every single time the batter is called out. Yeah, Grandal was not called out. Yuli throws it home, has the angle to throw it home, and nicks off the shoulder of Grandal, and Maldonado, of course, can't catch it because it's it's wide left at home plate, and a really weird, interesting play. I mean, in a in a in a regular world of you know good umpiring that would be of course Grandall's out runner goes back to third it's basically just like striking out but was not called everyone pretty much advances and the inning continues and of course that's why the White Sox got a lot more runs and of course that's what transpired into their 12 runs in game three but just give me your take I mean we have a lot of umpiring talks to talk about in this podcast because there was some really interesting umpiring you know just some really bad umpiring it seemed like every series yeah every series had a weird play that just went one team's way but um give me yeah just give me quickly give me your kind of just take on that that was just it's just it's a stupid play that the umpires did not see yeah it's it's i i really don't understand the thought process that went into it by the umpires if you saw the play um grandall is on the infield grass he's clearly you know whether it's intentional, which I think it's intentional, but even if it's just subconscious, he's like trying to get in the way of the throw. Definitely. Um, because he knows if you interrupt the throw, Luis Robert is coming in hot at home. Um, I think it was going to be a, a, a tag play. I it, think yeah. I think Maldonado was in a good spot to catch the ball. Robert was coming in hot, so it would have been a nice play at the plate. Um, the second it nicks Grendel's shoulder, like you said, Maldonado immediately, he puts his hands up. He like... He immediately notices before the ball is even like past him. He's like, "Whoa!" And the umpire doesn't call, you know, play dead. Which you know, I don't know if, what the protocol is, but Maldonado eventually goes and gets the ball. And you know, the coaches come out and discuss yeah, with the umpire yeah. saying, and, "What's and, the call and, there?" And Altuve and Granky both were at first base and had an excellent view. They both were yeah. like, "What? What the hell? You know, what the heck's that? You know?" And, and so they they discussed it, and even the broadcasters were talking about some of the different rules that go into it. I think there's a rule about. Once you reach like forty five feet down the line, you have to be like, uh, in the dirt off the grass, something like that. And then there's other rules about like, um, there's just all these little kind of nitpicky rules. But the one thing that can try and trump everything else is if the umpire thinks the runner was trying to get hit by the ball, they can say, okay, that's interference and you're out. Mm-hmm. The ump can say if you're trying to get hit, um, then you can be ruled out. And the umpires apparently didn't think that it was on purpose i don't i think they put on their headsets i don't even i'm not even sure if they did they may have not actually but i just remember that i don't know how you could look at the play and not think it was intentional but either way travis um i think we do both agree that the better team won the you know the the white Sox bats woke up in that game the the bats were actually pretty good which was expected which was expected but every other game i think the astros pitchers actually were almost a little slept on going into the series. Definitely. McCullers is a excellent. He's a real beast. Um, Luis Garcia, uh, he didn't have a huge leash, but he um, he was serviceable for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you can just go down the list. The bullpen did its job um, pretty much every game almost uh, for the Astros. So, 
yeah, I really think that uh, I'm hot on them to continue their their run in the postseason. Definitely, definitely, and I mean, like I said, you know, at, at least that that didn't that wasn't game five. You know, that wasn't something that would have cost them the whole entire series. It was yeah. game three, so you get a little bit of luck. But I mean, of course, that series, I'm pretty sure, uh, smart baseball fan would have said the Astros just look like the way better team here. You yeah, know, no, no shame in losing one. Sucks. You just you faced a team that is in a dynasty mode, five straight league championship series visits. I mean, they literally tied the 70s A's, and they have to go three more to catch the uh, 90s Braves. I mean, Mm -hmm. just talk about a dynasty they're having right now. But um, we'll kind of transition now into the um, other American League Division series. Um, And this one, I mean, (laughs) going into it, I think after game one, we kind of thought, okay, this is a Rays series win, 5 nothing winning game one. McClanahan looked excellent. Eduardo Rodriguez did not look good. Um, so we kind of thought, okay, game two, you know, should be another raised win. They'll take business. They'll, they took care of business at home. Uh, game one, they should do it in game two. They did it in the first inning, but after that, it was all Red Sox. I think honestly, almost every Red Sox hitter almost had a home run in the game. It was, it was just kind of a power hitting fest for the Red Sox lineup, which was crazy from game one for being shut out. But, um, this series of course went four games, just like the other ALDS game, but, really just a just a shot it's it's really just a shocking four games i felt like i mean the red Sox looked dead going into the playoffs had a crazy wild card crazy wild card victory game one they looked dead again and then of course from then then on they just went out and they just kind of pull a crazy upset against the Tampa bay Rays. give me your perspective on that give me your take on the players uh you know how that series went yeah, so game one was a raised fest, like you said. Arosa ran a homer and stole home. It was an awesome performance from him. Um, just stealing home in the postseason in general is just crazy. And I, I heard it was a it was a scouting effort. I heard that they mm. they noticed that the pitcher, uh, I think it was Taylor. I'm not sure, but it was a lefty, and just the way he uh, is facing uh, first base. I guess he doesn't always look over his shoulder before going to the plate. And I think the Rays just knew that. And they found a Rosarena on third. They said, this is the time to exploit it. And they, 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 they nicked home in, in a, it felt like a great start to the series for the Rays. And like you said, the first inning, they really got to sale. Sale, sale has not looked good, Travis. Sale, not looked good at all. No. The, the last game of the regular season, he didn't look good. I believe he allowed runs to, um, to the nationals nationals he was out in the three in three innings i think and it was like a five run three innings you know it and, was not and then, good and then that game two against the rays they got to him really quick the rays of course stacked the lineup with righties they know that the platoon advantage is the way they organize yep, things on yep. a game to game basis so even within the game they'll, they'll do those pinch hits so but yeah the uh they got the sale quickly and honestly at that point i thought the series was over i thought you know the Rays had it uh, in the bag of course the red Sox got hot and, and hats off to them i thought okay one one I'm like, I think, I think we probably go to Fenway here, and it probably goes 1-1 again, and then it's going to be the chop game five. It should be a lot of fun. But uh, two walk-off wins by the Red Sox. I honestly think, you know, for the Rays to go to Fenway and lose in walk-off fashion, fashion in two games, I can't say that, you know, I can't say that they did poorly because, you know, you're away and you, you know, when you, when you lose in a walk-off, you know, the game was essentially tied down, to, down, down to the wire. Definitely. But, but um what I will say is that the Red Sox did show up in the big moments. Hernandez had a really good series. Um, Insane series. Him and Verdugo, you know, two guys that weren't on the team for, you know, uh, 2019 or 18. And right. both guys, it's funny, just both guys, Dodgers coming over and really just helping that Red Sox team go. Big, big contributors. Kike was on another level. 
this ALDS and this postseason right now. But um, again, from the last series, from the last ALDS, there was of course a, a crazy kind of umpiring you know thing that happened in the yeah. game. This one, there was another one. Take me through that one. Kind of give me the give me the moment and lay it out, and then of course what happened, and then of course we'll discuss you know what the heck went on there. So there was a situation where the Rays had just mounted a comeback, and they had a situation where they had a I think it was two outs, go ahead run on first, and Kiermaier at the plate, and Kiermaier works. I think it was a two strike count. He works a count. Um, you know he's battling out there. He just lines a gapper to right center. And the ball, at first I thought, okay, that's a gapper. That will score the run. Then my thought was, that might actually leave the park. And then I see it. It goes off the top of the wall. Um, and it's just a short wall out there. It's yeah. not very tall. It's yeah. like it's like less than, less than head high. And it bounces off the wall, and it hits the ground. And then it hits right fielder Hunter Renfro in like the chest or the leg. I think it hits him in the hip. And as it's going over the wall after deflecting off wall, ground, and fielder. At that point, Kiermaier's already almost a second, and uh, the base runner that was on first is always already about to round third to head home. The ball leaves play, and the runner scores home. Kiermaier ends up on third, like standing up pretty much, um, and they get told to go back to second and third because it's a ground rule double. And... Uh, for me, Travis, when that happened, at first we didn't know what the ruling was. We're like, where in the rule book does it say, you know, hits hits off a player's knee or chest and it goes out of the ballpark? And yeah. everyone has to freeze on the, you know, because essentially, uh, the Rays already almost had a guy grounding third going home. Yep. So, yep. what's to stop a player from knocking the ball over the fence intentionally, or Very you true. know, yeah. knocking it uh, out of play in the dugout like intentionally? if they want all the runners to essentially not be allowed to advance. Um, in my mind, it should be if a run, if a player knocks a ball out of play, at the very least, every runner should be get one base because the ball is now out of play. But instead, it is ruled a ground rule double. And that's what the rule book says, Travis. The rule book says everyone gets two bases in that exact situation, mm-hmm. which to me makes no sense. No sense at all. Yep. But... I can't get mad at the umps because they did what the rules said. I just think that I see, I saw so many funny tweets that night because um, we're talking about rules that were written by people who have been dead for, you know, 75 years. Probably it just, the game of baseball is, is, you know, the history is so rich and Mm -hmm. it's been around for so long. It feels like some of these things, you know, that's a kind of rule where who has looked at that in the last hundred years? How many times have we had that scenario? I feel like, um, it could be beneficial for people to look through like all these little intricate rules and try to update them because when it does come up, the fans of the Rays obviously felt robbed. Um, you know, I would just I could not imagine losing a game like that. You know, Kiermaier said I hit that gapper. I was on third almost. I was I was on my way to third when the ball was leaving play. How are you gonna tell me to go back to second? How are you gonna tell me I don't get that RBI? But uh, at the end of the day, Travis, you know, the umpires did make the right call. I just think that a rule like that should. Um, you know, they should think about revising some things. I don't know. It just seems like a scenario where um, it, it's almost abusable because Renfro obviously did not do it on purpose. He didn't have time to react. The ball no, hit, the, yeah. hit the wall, hit he his leg. His and he's like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah it, it was a bang, bang scenario. But um, in the future, knowing that rule now, 
uh, an outfielder could easily like fumble the ball out of play if they knew a runner from first they wanted to prevent him from scoring. So yeah, yeah, and and, and I I saw that play, and in my opinion, I was thinking, okay, you know how when a guy, let's just say, in a, in a, a guy at first base, and, and the hitter hits it to second or short or something like that, and basically the sh- person at second throws it away. Usually, what happens is when the guy rounds first. They award him second because he's going to second, but then they give him third base because it's in the dugout. It got thrown out of place. So in my head, it was kind of the same thing. Kiermaier is on his way to second. It's an easy double, and it's Renfro's fault that it went out of play because it hits off his chest. You can only blame Renfro. So in my opinion, that should mean that Renfro goes to second. It might have been a Rose Reina at third. But all those, then those guys from going over, they're both rewarded an extra base because it's out of play, and it wasn't their fault. It was literally it hit off it hit off the wall, which is in play, hit off the ground, which is in play, hits off the chest of Renfro, and that to me again seems like it could be abused because a guy could imagine Renfro somehow made it look accident, but on purpose hit it, hit it into the crowd, and it's like oh you know he he saved a run right there you know, yeah. but he, he basically was not going to get a run there. Um, uh, one more note. I think uh, Ken Rosenthal came on the broadcast and he spoke with the league office like mm-hmm. during like after that happened, and got the official like, you know, why is this call the way it is? And what they said was, um, essentially the difference between uh, a runner or sorry the difference between a fielder um, throwing the ball out of play or you know allowing the ball to go out of play. Uh, versus just it being a ground rule double is the difference is the ball was never fielded mm-hmm. and that's what the difference was apparently mm-hmm. if the ball mm-hmm. is never fielded it's called a ground rule double you know the ball never entered yeah. Renfro's possession um, if the runner if the if he did field it and then like you know was ready to throw the ball and it slipped out and went over then it would probably be everyone gets a base which um, is what we we're hoping we're probably hoping for yeah. um, in the first place but yeah given the situation. Um, I couldn't imagine losing a game like that. It would just be, it'd be tragic. And especially that one going 13 innings. And yep. that one could have been a crucial run to get them the lead in the series. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know if I've ever told you, but I always run this in my head and I'm just waiting for this day to happen. I'm waiting for there to be a guy like Trey Turner at first base, game seven, World Series, and someone hits a ball over the head of all the fielders and as the guy who is first base is rounding third, the ball hits the ground and goes over the wall for a ground double. I'm waiting for that to happen in a crucial game. Someone's down by one or it's a tie ball game with two outs. And that would just, in my opinion, that would just drive me yeah. ballistic. I mean, yeah. that would just literally, you're telling me that the, the almost like, it's almost like golf, the perfect placement for the defensive team to not allow that run to score. I think it's definitely a rule they're going to have to take a look at and maybe do some revisions for it all Um, because that should be definitely an umpire judgment call because they should look at that and say, okay, we all know how fast that guy is over there. There's no way in hell they get him out at home. He's definitely scoring, but just because the rule says that, it's, it's it's... it's it's gonna happen. Could be in a hundred years, but it's I feel like it's gonna happen some game. And it, you know, this game could be proving the point that it kind of happened in this game in a crucial playoff game. But yeah, I mean, it, there's gonna be a time where I feel like something like that, the ground road double, will hurt a team tremendously, and it's just gonna be, you know, well, I mean, that's the rule in the rule book, and you know, what, the next guy up has to get a base hit to get the guy in or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, just just a kind of a crazy play in the book. So. I mean, I guess you can't really get mad at the umpires. It's in the rule book. But at the same time, you know, we all know what the score looks like if 
the ball that ball ricochets straight up instead of you know forty five degree angle over yeah. the fence. So, um, yeah, kind of a crazy play right there. But you know, give it to the Red Sox though. I mean, game one they got shut out. Game two, three, and four in three games. The last three games of the of the division series, they scored twenty six runs. Wow. So I mean, you got to give it to them as their offense really woke up. And I mean, it's all part of course. Kike Hernandez, he was of course the big hitter in that series. Um, one thing I want to add in this series before you before you move on or anything, um, th- there's there's tons of talk about the Rays, right? Because the Rays were the 100 win team in the American League. Mm-hmm. They were the best record in the American League by a good portion. Um, the whole the whole season, they just kind of were a system. It was like always oh, like a next man up. Guys got hurt and it didn't really matter. It didn't affect their record. Uh, Tyler Glasnow, of course, went down pretty early in the year, right when they started uh, uh, policing the uh, sticky substance whole thing. That felt like I felt like a year ago, but it, it was, was just you know it really did. You know, a few months ago when when that happened, you know, several months ago, he uh, got injured, and we kind of found out he'd probably missed the rest of the season, which you know, of course, was the case. But Charles, if they had him go in game one instead, and then you know McClanahan game two, Baz game three, I feel like it does change a lot. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you. you Injuries happen, and the Red Sox, you know, won the series. Um, I also want to kind of point out a lot of people who are really anti-analytics. They probably say, oh, you know, the Rays lost because they stuck to this game plan or that game plan. And honestly, when it comes to a five-game series, it really feels like if the teams are good enough, anyone can win. No, definitely. And I definitely. think that's what it really comes down to. And I saw another interesting tweet that was really funny that um, essentially the last two Rays uh, – postseasons were ended by executives that used to work for the Rays. So uh, hmm. Chain Bloom, who is the uh, general manager for, I think that's how you say his name, is general manager for the Red Sox. And he is a mastermind, like yeah. we said. The, yeah. the Kike Hernandez uh, signing is obviously proving to be huge. The Schwarber deal is obviously proving to be huge. Um, to get rid of bets and then be in the ALCS two years later. I mean, you literally, you literally told your fans we're punting, giving this, giving this superstar away, and but then again, he, we're going to be built, the yeah. he, he built it back so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so consider that. Um, and then, of course, uh, Andrew Friedman, who builds up the Dodgers to be great every year. Um, I'm just, you know, you, you're jealous of these executives. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny how they both came from the Rays. They go to these markets with a little bit more money. Actually, I would say a lot more money. Red so- Dodgers, I'm saying a lot. <laughs> Dodgers, a lot more money. Red Sox, also quite a lot more money. Yeah. The Rays, um, as talented and brilliant as their management and their coaching staff is um the ownership obviously does not like to spend Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. what's gonna keep them from you know reaching that top peak with these other teams because they're gonna keep running into a dodgers running into a red sox who have their old executives that learned all the secrets the tricks of the trade and are now using them against them but with a much bigger budget when you have the bigger budget it's gonna make all the difference getting those big players but it is funny the last two rays postseason were ended by former race executives. It yeah. just kind of shows their smart, their smartness of spring throughout the league. Good point on that. And yeah, you know, you people, people think, you know, Oh, definitely the analytics lost in this series, but you know, they won a hundred games. So the yeah. analytics really didn't lose for them. And, I, and I've always said it, you know, it got them there. And if you look at their batting lineup, just look, looking at the names, it should not really add up to some of the other teams that you see, yeah. but you know, Wander Franco steps up is great. Or Rosarena comes up is great. They platoon, you know, Choi and Yanni Diaz, and it works. They just they know what they're doing, and in Fenway, the Red Sox just had some magic, and no, uh, yeah, they they earned their spot then ALCS. The Red Sox this century have been a postseason wrecking ball. I mean, we've seen it every single year. They have you know these runs where they just go to the league championship series like no problem. But um, 
yeah, and, and we've always said it. I've said it before. You know, analytics, of course, 162 games. It's very good to have on your side. You know, it, it, it is very strong. Playoffs, though, of course, I'm also a believer. And when it comes to playoff time, that's where, you know, you need to start looking a little bit maybe away from that. I know people always go back to last year and Kevin Cash pulling Snell, you know, ride and die with this guy. Don't go with the analytics. And then, of course, you lose that game. I think I remember people were just sickened by yeah. the way that that game ended because they said Snell was winning. You guys had control of that game six to force a game seven. Um, how do you let this happen? How do you pull the? How do you pull your guy? Um, but, you know, Kevin Cash is still genius in, in his own self. But, um, yeah, I mean, Red Sox just had, you know, kind of the, just the, the better better luck of the draw right there. Their offense woke up and, you know, took care of business. But um, moving on to the league, uh, or the National League Division Series, and we'll talk about the one that's actually finished. There's still one, of course, going on. But Atlanta and Brewers, um, very opposite from the Braves or I'm from the Astros uh, and the Red Sox series because this was a lot of pitching. This was not a lot of hitting right. except for kind of the last game. But first two games, um, first three games, I'm sorry, both teams combined for three runs each game. Well, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, game one, Braves score one, Brewers score two. Game two, Braves score three, Brewers get shut out. Game three, Brewers get shut out and Braves score three. So... Pitching wins championships, but hey, you got to be able to hit too. Um, and that's exactly what this series kind of proved. Uh, great starting pitching from all different guys. I mean, Woodruff still did very good, even though he got a loss in game two. Burns did great in game one. Morton did great in game one and kind of game four a little bit. But um, what a pitching duel this was this series. Kind of, I guess, everyone would definitely say this was probably probably the most boring series to watch this, this year so yeah. far because there wasn't a lot of action except for game four in that eighth inning. But um, take me through the series, Alex. Kind of give me your feedback on, you know, how the series went, uh, peak and key performers in uh, in these four games. Yeah, uh, it, it's a series that, you know, uh, I believe we both picked the Brewers uh, and the they, yeah. uh, the uh, Atlanta Braves obviously came out with the W. Um, I think what it comes down to is that we put a lot of stock into the Brewers pitching, of course. Mm -hmm. And like you keep saying, pitching wins championships. But I think not enough people are realizing how, you know, the bats are just as important. Obvi I mean, obviously, uh, if you don't score the runs, what does it all matter? Because the Milwaukee Brewers' uh, offense this year was below average. And in the postseason, mm -hmm. it looked uh, way Awful. below average. Yeah. Um, you know, they have some great pieces that I like. Willie Adams was a great ad. But, you know, when you're, when you're, I guess when, you're, when your first four batters are, you know, Colton Wong into Willie Adams into 2021 version of Christian Yelich, which, you know, unfortunately he did not catch fire like we kind of hoped he would. Um, and the fourth hitter, Avisal Garcia. Who should be the seventh hitter, yeah. Yeah, the, the, I mean, those are all guys who at the right time can step up. But, um, yeah, when it, when it comes down to it, uh, they did not, uh, the Vast did not click at all for the Brewers, whereas the Braves um, didn't have an amazing offensive series, but at the right times, especially Jock Peterson, of course, with his pinch hit home runs, um, but he had two different pitch, pinch at yeah, home Yeah, game runs. one and game three. Yep. Just knowing that you know he was like that offensive firepower coming off the bench, um, you know, waiting for that right matchup when there's a right-handed uh, pitcher coming in, uh, using that big lefty bat, he really came through in a big way for the Braves in the series. Um, but yeah, one thing I'll say, you know, we were riding high on the Milwaukee Brewers pitching, and you know, it didn't disappoint. I would say it still did its job. The bats just didn't kind of come through as well. But um, yeah, I think. 
one key factor I keep thinking about is that Corbin Burns, who in my mind is the Cy Young and who in my mind deserves MVP votes because he just had that crazy mm-hmm, of, a, mm-hmm. of a season, he pitches six innings in the whole series. And that's all just in game one, which was for a win. But um, it just kind of goes to show that you can have three amazing starting pitchers, but if you have no bats and I guess no bullpen, or if, they do have bullpen depth, but if the bullpen depth's not going to come through, um, it, it's almost all for nothing because a guy like Burns in a four-game series is pitching six innings. Woodruff, I believe, also had a short lease too. Peralta got pulled really early for a pinch hit, which I'll actually I'll defend that because the Brewers um, needed offense. They had no runs. You know they were doing such a poor job of scoring all uh, all series. And they have second and third, I believe, with one out, and they pinch it for the pitcher because they just want two good tries with two hitters to get the runs in, and uh, both both guys failed uh, to you know get the RBIs, but. Uh, when it comes down to it, Travis, I really think forcing that game five would have been huge because they would have had probably both Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta available, which I couldn't even imagine. You maybe you get you get to Burns in like the fifth inning, you get a run off him, you're like oh let's go. They just put in Freddie Peralta for three innings as well because he had a short leash in one game time three, around the lineup. Yep, mm-hmm. and then you know he continues the deal, and then you go for Hater for a save. You know, I feel like the Brewers need to get that to the fifth game. And they almost did so, but then of course Freddie Freeman off of Josh Hader. That is a moment that we will see. Braves fans will love watching that highlight for years to come because um, it really kind of shows that the Braves didn't quit this year. They pushed through. They won the division, a weak division, but you know they knew what the they, they knew what the job was and they did it. They took care of business. And then Freeman, just a a veteran uh, MVP last year, of course he stepped up in a big moment. Oppo Homer off the best reliever in baseball, according to you and I, this season. Yep. Um, he still deserves that title, but you know, that slider I think has allowed no home runs to lefties all season. And then of course, in the biggest probably at bat of Hater's season, a good pitch but a better hit. Um, Freddie won the game, and the Braves are moving on. So it was just, it was just uh, almost kind of summed up everything right there, just because the pitching was good by the by the Brewers, but the bats just weren't enough. Yeah, and, and great way to sum it up. I mean, the franchise guy getting the hit of the division series. So, I mean, I, I thought that was an excellent, you know, at-bat by Freddie. He's been he, – he's just been a franchise guy for them for the past, you know, 10 years or so. And like you said, losing Acuna, um, arguably, you know, one of the top three MVP uh, contenders for um, the 2021 season, and they lose him before the All-Star game. And like he said, going after the All-Star game below 500, really tough – end of July into August schedule. We thought the Braves, of course, would kind of fold. Uh, didn't happen. They played strong and won the division with 88 wins. Um, something we really didn't look at, Alex, I think that we kind of, it's honestly shame on us we didn't look at this, but I mean, we look at how good the Brewers starting staff was, but I mean, we, we kind of didn't realize how good this Braves starting staff is. Charlie Morton threw an absolute gem in game one. And then Max Freed, and Ian Anderson, for being how young they are, they are off to very, very, almost historically good postseason starts to their careers. I mean, last year, Freed and Anderson were just, I feel like, the talk of the Braves' rotation going against the Dodgers, the Marlins, the Cincinnati Reds. And this season, both guys, no runs allowed in their starts. Both guys get the win in Game 2 and Game 3. Um very underrated pitching staff from the Braves this season. It seems like they have their big three-headed monster in Morton, Freed, and Anderson. And then, of course, the last 
three games of the series, game two, three, and four, Will Smith just shutting it down for yeah. the save. So Will Smith, of course, getting action in all those games. And then the bullpen, the bullpen doing a great job. Matzik, very, very good so far. Um, I feel like they're kind of getting some of their guys that they had last year that had really hot stretches in October kind of back. And we're seeing that that Atlanta Braves pitching staff that was so good in um, 2020 in the, in the postseason. And then, of course, offensively, Jock Peterson, you know, Eddie Rosario, guys that replaced Acuna coming up big. Hopefully they can get Soler back soon. I know he's out with COVID. He might have to miss the league championship series, which could hurt. Um, but, I mean, wow. I mean, really just kind of a very underrated team right now. Um, but, again, you look at the Brewers' bats, only two runs in the first three games. You're not going to win a lot of games that way. You right. can have the best pitching staff in baseball history. You're probably might not – you might not even win those games either. So, um, yeah, big question to answer for the Brewers kind of coming up this uh, off season because – their pitching staff is going to be and remain elite. Yeah. They're going to be good. Well, one, one thing I'll add on, on the Braves, um, you know, we'll get to the, you know, who they're going to play. We'll find that out tomorrow, obviously, in the big uh, game five of the uh, Giants-Dodgers series. But um, I obviously count out the, the uh, Braves for this series. I picked the Brewers to win. I believe you did as well. But um, I'm just going to go ahead, you know, kind of a hot take. Uh, I just... I'm still not really sold. I just think that the Brewers had a really poor series. I think they just kind of dropped the ball, um, at least in terms of the offense. Obviously, having Solaire miss time for COVID is going to be really crucial, and it's going to hurt them even more. But um, I think, you know, Freeman, Albies, great bats. Um, you know, Austin Riley is going to get MVP votes, great bat. Um, and their platoon bats is great. I'm really, you know, excited, you know, having Peterson and Rosario available. Uh, against right-handed pitchers um, it's definitely just a huge plus um, but Travis I just think that um, Freed and Anderson I think they're both very good pitchers but I just think they overperformed at least a bit um, and then Morton I think you know has tons of upside but uh, they kind of got to him in the fourth and when the Brewers start getting to you it almost makes me question you a little bit but I do think you know, going games one and four, he did a lot of he took a lot of the workload on, on himself, which mm -hmm. um, hats off to him. And you know, he he got the job done at the end of the day. But what I'll add uh, is, yeah, I, I think that I think that Will Smith, I just never have confidence with him on the mound. I think he, I'm not, I don't have the number in front of me, but I want to say he's blown the most saves in baseball. I think that there was a stretch of games where he blew like three saves in a row and then the Braves walked off in the bottom of the ninth in every single game which is kind of that's almost been the Braves way of doing things they feel like they always have these exciting endings to these games and they always will kind of keep you on on your edge I just I just I just kind of see the magic really ending against either the Giants or the Dodgers because those teams I feel like are not really messing around and they're going to take advantage of I guess any unfavorable matchups um so it's not really a hot take and you know we'll get to our predictions for the NLCS when that time comes but uh, I, I just think that um, I think the Braves just really, you know, took advantage of a, a good Brewers team that was, you know, kind of slumping offensively. And I do think that the Dodgers and Giants, whoever wins, will really stick it to the Braves. Of course, if I count them out, maybe they'll just prove me wrong again. But um, that's, that's, that's where I'm at, at least. Yeah. And uh, and that's a good transition, of course, into um, into the next one. But I mean, I will point out, you know. A lot of times, I think we've counted out so many teams in October, and they just continue to stun us. I mean, there's so many years where I go back to always, of course, the Kansas City Royals, every, you know, 14, just shocking every single team in every single series. Um, 
really just kind of having that momentum. And of course, that's that 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 really helps a lot of teams. But of course, if you just have the overall strength, like the Dodgers or the Giants, that also helps you too. And it's a little bit more uh, accurate to measure, I feel like, because it's like, okay, pitching, bullpen, um, lineup, it's it's top to bottom, great, you know? Yeah. And so uh, definitely be a good challenge for the Braves next series. We'll see, of course, how that fares. But um, yeah, last division series to talk about the Dodgers and the Giants, probably the most anticipated series of um, of the, the first round, I feel like, because we get to see two teams who probably shouldn't be playing each other in the first round because when have you ever seen a 107-win team play a 106-win team in the division series and the loser is done in three losses? So uh, really kind of, uh, you know, I would say unfortunate, you know, that this has to happen, but also, you know, it's just the way that, you know, the playoff system works right now. And, you know, it, it, it was bound to happen sometime in the course of, of this playoff uh, structure. So uh, Giants Dodgers going at it first time ever, Alex, in postseason history that both these teams are going at it in the playoffs. Um, you know, going back to the old days in New York, in Brooklyn and New York for the Giants and the Dodgers, they both played their regular seasons and the winner of the National League um, after the end of the regular season went on to go play the World Series. So they didn't play any postseason baseball. And then, of course, when they both came to California, it was divided between the National League East and the West. So the winner of the West would play the East. And then, of course, that would be the uh, league championship series back then. And then, of course, they changed the playoff structure now. So the first time ever, Giants and Dodgers play each other in the postseason. So, um, Alex, my take on this one is, you know, we've seen four games so far. And tomorrow's game five um, with Julio Urias going against Logan Webb. It's crazy how we've seen this kind of roller coaster. Game one, good game by the Giants offense. Spectacular pitching performance by the Giants pitching. Game two, terrible game by the pitching and terrible game by the offense. Game three, spectacular pitching okay hitting to get the job done but spectacular pitching and then of course Dodgers get blanked in that game game four Dodgers awaken again so it just seems like the the Giants sneak up and almost crush them and then the Dodgers just wake up and rebound and have a crazy game after that mm -hmm. and then of course Giants do the same thing again and then Dodgers do the th do the same thing in game two um if we we're looking at trends tomorrow you definitely would say Dodgers are getting shut out and the Giants are going to win the game probably you know score two or three runs or something like that. But um, very, very interesting with this series and how it's going right now. Um, give me kind of your take on the first four games. And then, of course, we'll talk about game five and kind of dive into that one and see what we think is going to happen. But first four games, what do you think? Sure. So uh, first four games, I think your kind of your analysis of saying it's been back and forth is super accurate. Uh, you know, one going to Giants, two Dodgers, three Giants, four Dodgers, all, you know, somewhat commanding. Game three was, a you know, a one-run game for a lot of the game. So that makes it a bit of a nail-biter, of course. But, um, yeah, I just think at the end of the day, uh, it's just going to come down to Logan Webb and Julio Urias. How good are these pitchers going to do? They both have had very good seasons. They both have done good in this postseason. Um, I think that, Logan Webb is a real deal, really good pitcher. I, th I think he honestly, you know, the ERA won't say it, but he's young. I think he's honestly like he's he's. I would almost trust him more than than Gosman in a big game. And Definitely. and and Urias and Urias is the kind of guy who we saw in the twenty twenty World Series and throughout the postseason really, but in that World Series, it got to a point, Travis, where against the Rays, 
they rode the hot hand, which was Julio Urias. They said, there's three innings left in this game. I don't really care about our bullpen. We just need a guy who we who he wants the ball, and we know we can trust him. And that series, it was Julio Urias. Something the Astros should have learned in 19 with, uh, with Garrett Cole. Garrett yeah. Cole. <laughs> yeah, but just trusting the guy who was dominant in that series, in that moment, they went with him, and it was Urias. So th- it really comes down to, I think, if we get that Urias, um, the Dodgers look like they're going to be in a great spot. Um, Logan Webb, game one, Travis, I think he went 7.2 innings, which was, I think that's the longest start of any starting pitcher in the postseason so far. So if they get a, you know, workhorse version of that, then that could set up, a, a you know, maybe a McGee into Taylor Roger, uh, Tyler Rogers, or it could go, uh, you know, McGee into Camilo Doval, um, keep the bullpen work kind of tight because they use so many bullpen arms just last night in that game four, the Giants did. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, one through four, it's been exciting and a roller coaster, like you said, um, and it, it's going to come down to an exciting game five. Um, one thing I want to bring up, Travis, is um, different limit, you know, winner take all games between the Giants and the Dodgers. So we all know that they've never met before in the postseason, uh, like you outlined, but they have met not in the postseason, but it's interesting. So in, in 1951, um, the Brooklyn Dodgers Giants won the pennant. meet up with the New York Giants. Brooklyn versus New York. Same franchises, though. And they had to play a, I believe it was a three-game playoff winning team makes the World Series because mm-hmm. they ended the season with the same record. That's how they did it um, at that time. So the Giants put up a four-run ninth inning of game three to win at the Polo Grounds 5-4 to four with a final score. And it was a walk-off home run called the shot hard around the world. Uh, the Giants win the pennant was the famous call. That was echoed by uh, Buck and, and Travis Ishikawa home run. That super iconic moment uh, for the Giants franchise. But um, it's really something to see the Giants in, the, in, 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 in an elimination game, just knowing this kind of history between the two teams. The Giants have walked off a winner-take-all game against you before. The Giants are going to want to do it again. And the Dodgers are going to want to do it, uh, give them some revenge. So it's, it's super exciting. But Charles, just looking at these two teams in this game I'm talking about from 1951, it's just it's just littered with, it's, I think it's Willie Mays' rookie year, if I'm not mistaken. Jackie Robinson's in the game. Duke Snyder's in the game. Pee Wee Reese is in the game. Dodgers legends. Um, and it's just, it's just... Um, Stupid. See, seeing an echo from 51 to now this year in, in 2021, um... It's just, I, I'm just, I, you know, it, you get goosebumps thinking about, you know, it's coming down to this one game, just like, you know, 70 years ago. And these two teams, they've been on a collision course all year, and we're going to get it. We're going to get the game five. And it's, it's I almost don't even want to pick a winner because I just want to enjoy the game, right? Definitely. But, Travis, what I will say, one last thing to add is, we are both right about the Astros being the White Sox. And we are both wrong about, who's going to come out of the Rays versus wildcard um, series. We're both wrong about that. I, I should have just left it at as wildcard winner will beat the Rays, but uh, well, that's not allowed. You got to pick a team. I, I know that, but I'm just, you know, I, I could have just left it at that, but yeah. Well, you, you picked, okay. I'm going to push back because you picked the Yankees to make the CS and they lost in the wildcard. No, so. I know. I, I was, I was, I was brutally beaten wrong, but I, I should have just said wildcard winner will make it to the ALCS. So, so, so at this point we have both one correct in the CS round mm-hmm. and two wrong. And I picked the Giants 
you had picked the Dodgers. Yep. This was before the postseason began. We made these picks. So one of us is going to be, you know, two well, two hope, on the board, and one's going to be one. I hope one. I'm wrong. I really so, hope I'm so wrong. So one, one of us is going to have bragging rights. Yeah. So I just want to put that out there. I had picked the Giants. You had picked the Dodgers going into the postseason. Um, we saw this kind of matchup coming, and we're going to get the big winner-take-all game. So what do you see happening in Game 5, Travis? You know, and I'll give it, of course, my – I think I went this way in the first um, – in, in the first predictions last week, uh, you know, my head thinks this, my heart thinks this. Um, my, you know, my head thinks Dodgers, my heart thinks Giants. I, you know, Urias has been very good. Urias has been good this season. Urias was great in game two. Um, I think the adjustments will be made for Urias. Uh the Giants have seen Urias for now a couple seasons. Um, they haven't seen too much of Logan Webb at all. I mean, they got a good taste of him in game one. Um, but I I think the Giants' bats will wake up in this game. You know, you think about game one, four runs. That's not really a great run performance. It's good in the postseason, but it's not great. Game two, they score two. Game three, they score one. Game four, they score two. Um, it just seems like the Giants are waiting to kind of score a lot of runs. Big thing, too, is this game will not have Scherzer or Bueller. If any of those guys pitches, I'm going to be completely stunned because they went almost 100 or something pitches. Um, Bueller, I think, had about 70-something pitches in game four, um, and I can't see him going in one day rest. I, You know what? But I could be completely wrong. Scherzer, of course, went over 100 pitches in game three. I don't see him going as well. Um so I think it's really just up to Urias, and then you got Gonsolin, which I really don't have any faith in at all. And then of course it's the bullpen. The bullpen, of course, has been really good, but if you wonder if this is the game where maybe they tire, maybe this is the game where they kind of um, are rocky and shaky. Of course, they've been consistent, they've been good, but um, I I honestly think the Giants are going to get ahead and win Game Five. I think they're going to win. Honestly, I'd probably say like a six to two ball game or something like that. I think they'll I think they'll score the most runs. Um, that they have so far this division series. I will predict that and say they'll score more runs, more than four runs this next game. Um, and I think that they'll get the dub and go on to uh, to uh, the NLCS. So I predict the Dodge, Dodgers first, um, kind of changing that way. I know how the series went, but um, I guess if they, you know, whichever team wins, I guess I'm a, I'm, I'm a winner both ways. So yeah. that seems like kind of a cheating, Charis. I think you're just trying to, you're trying to cover all your bases. No, but yeah, I, 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 think, that, I think the Giants will have a strong performance um, coming home. I don't think they're going to lose... Yeah, I don't think they're going to lose two in a row and kind of just this embarrassing fashion. But um, I think that they're they're built this year. So, uh, so Tra- Giants win game five. Travis, so yeah, you, you point out you don't think there's any chance Scherzer makes an appearance. And I think that's very unlikely, but I can't put that at 0%. I honestly, no, it's not 0%. No. I, I honestly think that I could see him sitting down with Roberts, you know, tonight, you know, in their hotel room or whatever. I think they could be saying... Um, you guys brought me here so we could win a ring. What's the point if we're in like a, we're down two to one in the sixth inning and you know the bullpen's tired and you're not going to put me in? The thing I'll, I'll bounce back on that is the Dodgers have a very good bullpen, so they don't really need to go with Scherzer, especially because yeah. if you use him, you're not going to be able to use him in the first two games um, in Atlanta. If you know if that ends up being the case, so if Urias can't get through three, then it's definitely on the table. Right, but I think the Dodgers bullpen has the talent and has the strength to go. If if somehow the pitcher gets out in the fifth inning, they have the they have the depth to go deep. And 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 what I will add is I think that 
they could go to Tony Gosselin as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, definitely. He's a righty you could almost put after um, Urias, and then mm-hmm. you force the Dodgers to so you force the Giants to do all their pinch hitting and all that to get that you know ma- uh, platoon favorability. But Travis Bueller did go uh, up to Roberts and say, "Give me the ball game four. I'm you know we need yeah. the you know." We it's it's if we lose we go home so give me the ball I could see Scherzer trying to do the same thing I could easily see Robert saying uh, shutting him down because you know he pitched just only two games ago but in reality he had you know it's three days of rest for him so um, it would be crazy but I could see him getting a couple innings um, but yeah I mean at the end of the day we will see tomorrow um, I'm so excited to watch the game yeah. because uh, yeah the coaches are gonna be I, it it's it's just like it's it's it all has come down to this yeah, and exactly. it will be pulling out all the stops, hold nothing back, and, mm-hmm. and I'm excited. And one thing to add, too, is funny that, you know, you look back at Scherzer in 2019, he was definitely a workhorse, but, of course, I think the workhorse got to him, and he had some back issues. He had some – he right. missed a start in the World Series, and that was kind of a concerning. Was this guy, you know, aging Scherzer as he well, – I think we thought he was done for Yeah, exactly, there. and so – Maybe something that, you know, it, it, but it really depends. You know, he could be, he's totally different than he was then and, you know, there in 2019. But um, you look at a guy like that and say, do we really want to overuse you, overhaul you? Because, you know, we know that the Atlanta Braves are sitting there waiting, kind of just, you know, resting up, not really taking too much time off, but they're definitely resting up for their guys to go and pitch um, for you right now. So um, do we, do we want to go into um, that series um, completely tired, but hey, I would rather go into that series completely tired than not be there at all. So it's almost like everybody is on the, everyone is ready to pitch. I guarantee Bueller and Scherzer are telling Roberts though right now we are right, we are in the bullpen, like yeah. we are ready to go. If you need an inning from Bueller and Scherzer or something like that, we're ready to go, um, and just kind of let Catman sit there in the bullpen because. I honestly don't. After last year's postseason, I just kind of lost a lot of faith in Gonson. He's a good pitcher in the regular season, but I don't know about the kind of the clutch moments. I feel like a lot of teams got to him as you kind of just take those deep counts. But what a series it's going to be. What do you got? Game five. Um, yeah, I, I think it's only fair for me to go with my Giants pick and ride with it. Um, Travis, I think I've told you. you not like me, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to cop out and try to cover, <laughs> cover, cover every base. But uh, yeah, I think that the Giants... Not because they're the better team. I think it's just been their year. I think the magic is on their side. The fact that they won the the division by one game, I could see them, you know, winning the uh, winning the DS by one game against their rivals. Um, I think I was telling you earlier, Travis, that like the Dodgers. I think if you look at just the names on their roster, when healthy, they're like one of the best looking teams of all time. Every single position an all star. I think not having Muncie and not having Kershaw available for the entire series, you know, those guys are definitely worth at least a couple runs. And if this series could come down to a couple runs tomorrow night, so, um, you know, no shame to the Dodgers that they end up losing the game because, uh, yeah, like I said, Muncie was probably their best candidate for an MVP for almost the entire season until they acquired, you know, Trey Turner. But, um, yeah, it, 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 like it's coming down to one game. And when that's the case, you know, these kind of little injuries and small things um, can really swing. Can they, they can make a big difference? I'll just say that. So they can. Uh, I'm I'm leaning Giants. Um, I feel like the Giants are kind of ready to go, and it feels like so much has gone their way so far. So I'm not gonna bet on it to stop anytime soon. I mm-hmm. guess so. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning Giants, but I'm excited um, for you know for any outcome. Uh, and then I like I mentioned earlier, I think both teams are very poised to do very well against the Braves. Um, I guess we can do a little bit of foreshadowing to what we could see in the NLCS as well as the ALCS. Um, 
And that's a good transition, kind of seeing them against the Braves. It, it, it's going to be hard to analyze because mm-hmm. we're talking about a t- two teams that have not decided yet. We don't know which pitchers are going to be and, used. And the Braves are, don't know, are not knowing, are we going to go to San Fran or are we going to be home against the Giants because we're division winners? So right. the, the, the Braves are, are definitely thinking, who do we root for in this series, you know? Who who, who should we really kind of be going for? But right. And they're probably just along for the ride, you know, getting ready for whoever it may be. But like I mentioned earlier, I think that, you know, both teams are poised to do well. Uh, what do you see in the potential National League CS? You know, I mean... My, I, I, when I look at this and I see that if the Dodgers can beat the Giants tomorrow, I think the Dodgers will take care of business against Atlanta. I don't know why, but I think if the Giants win tomorrow, that's, I think it can get a little bit tricky. I don't know. I just, I see the Braves in my head just matching up with the Giants a little bit better. Um, just because the Braves pitching staff, I, I mean, I, I'm still a believer that their pitching staff is, is not a fluke. It's not, you know, it, it's, it's nothing to be, you know, it's not fake at all, but I look at also their hitting too in in the Braves organization. Their hitting has been kind of consistently pretty strong throughout the division and this year. Um, I would like the Braves. I'm going to say honestly, I'm going to like the Braves in a Giants Braves series, and I'm going to like the Dodgers in a Giants uh, or in a Dodgers Braves series. So that's kind of the way I'm leaning right now. It's kind of crazy how I'm literally going to pick the the Braves yeah. can get a win against one team, but not against the other, but. That's just how I kind of see matching up. I don't know why, but I just see the Dodgers had their number. The Dodgers actually didn't really have their number last year, um, but I don't know. I just feel like this year it could be different, and the Dodgers could easily kind of get rid of the Braves. Um, this year. I, they, they, they obviously did very well against them in the regular season, um, while the Braves actually did very well against the Giants in the regular season, actually played very good baseball. I think they might have even, um, even won both series. Wow. And so the Braves have played well against the Giants, it's just the Dodgers they've not done very well against, and I think that would continue in the in National League Championship Series. So Sure, yeah, yeah, and, you know, that's... It, it, it sucks it, I can't give you a good prediction right now because I don't know who's going to win the game tomorrow. Exactly. But, no, yeah. no, no, but at least you have your mind made up, it seems, uh, depending on the outcome yeah. of tomorrow's game. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's an interesting way you're looking at it, but, you know, that it makes it makes sense um, to you, and, and that's, you know... I, I just kind of think, in my mind, that the, I think it's just the Giants. I predicted uh, at, in the beginning of the postseason it would be a Giants-Astros World Series. I still just do see it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And if the Dodgers are to beat the Giants tomorrow, then I would assume it would be a Dodgers-Astros World Series, which I really hope happens if that ends up being the case because I think the fan bases would just be at each other's throats the whole time. It would be such an exciting social media would be going crazy. And you know the what? stadiums would be going crazy. It'd I was be saying it earlier, and I was like, I'm, I'm really hoping for an Astros-Giants World Series because – Dodger fans would probably put a gun to their head because they don't even want to know who's going to win that series. So uh, you're right. <laughs> Both teams very, very strong. Um, but, you know, crazy things happen in October. But um, we'll move to the series that, of course, we do know the teams that are playing in the American League Championship Series. Um, Red Sox-Astros. Uh, both teams really coming in hot to the, to, to the series. It's going to be a fun matchup. We go back, I feel like, go back to um, 2018 and... The Red Sox were the Astros' premier kryptonite. They really took it to them. I mean, Astros won Game One at Fenway. The next four games, the Red Sox took care of business and were on to the World Series in five games. So, I think that actually leaves a kind of some bad blood, some you know, a bad taste in uh, in the Astros' mouths. I think they they definitely come ready to this series. They don't really show any you know any weaknesses. I will say what's interesting is right now both Boston and Astros. It feels like they're kind of light on the starting pitching side. You know, right now the Astros have McCullers, 
they have Framber Valdez and they have um, Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia. But the same thing with the Red Sox. They have, you know, Eduardo, they have Sale. And after that, it's kind of just like... Evaldi's still good. E- Evaldi's yeah. still good, you're right. But after that, you, do you go, you know, Pavetta? Do you go, you know, I think it's, I think it's Hoik, Hoik or Hoke? I think it's, uh, it's Hauk. Hauk, okay, yeah. okay. Um, you know, you have some really strong arms that have been bullpen present pieces this, this postseason. But I feel like both teams have three guys, and then it's kind of just a deep bullpen. Granke, of course, can get a start for the Astros, but... Um, at the end of the day, the Astros come in with experience. They come in with absolutely just mashing the baseball. And I think that they take it to the Red Sox, um, this series, I think they take it to them in about five or six games. I'll say, um, you know, I'll just give a definite answer. I think they go, they, they go, they, they win in six. Okay. I'll give the Red Sox, uh, you know, two wins. Um, but I think they win in six. And I think actually it's funny because now the championship series, you start getting into, you know, who the ALCS MVP is. Um, I'm still going to ride along. I'm going to say it's going to be Kyle Tucker. Kyle Kyle Tucker has been on a tear. He's my favorite to win the ALCS MVP right now. Um, He's just on another level right now. He's he's hitting seventh, which I know you said you might want to move him up to the two-hole, but in my opinion – Sometimes managers, and I feel like sometimes hitters will just say, you know what, leave me where I'm at. It's working. I, I'm doing absolutely inc- – I'm, I'm mashing the baseball. Pitchers come and see the seventh hitter coming up, and they're like, okay, it's this funky-looking lefty kind of guy. Of course, some guys – most guys should know his name right now, but um, Kyle Tucker for me is the ALCS MVP for this series. Yeah. I, I like that pick. Um, yeah, so I guess my take on this There's series, a lot of Astros that can get that pick too. So Absolutely. Uh, both teams, so many guys have the potential to just have a breakout series, of course. Um, but yeah, so the way I see it, um, we agree about who we think is going to win. I do like the Astros in the series. Um, the Red Sox have been, you know, sort of magical in the in the in the wildcard game as well as the DS, but just the way they ended the season is always going to be kind of a it's always going to stick out to me that if they ended up making a World Series run here, it's just going to, you know, I don't want to say the word fluke because they're a very talented team. They were just const- caught fire at the right time. They, they were constructed well. But the fact that you ended so cold and losing the bad teams and then you just, I guess, started winning at the right time against really good teams, you know, that would just be kind of, uh, it would surprise me, I'd just say. So I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ride with the Astros. Like you said, the pitching, it's not star-studded as, you know, a couple years back when both teams feel like they're a little bit more loaded. But what I will say is I do like the depth, um, at least like a lot of good depth pieces, maybe not like all-star depth pieces, but um, we saw Granky actually make a relief appearance uh, against the White Sox. And I think using Granky in relief could be great to get you out of a jam because he's so good at inducing weak contact. In, in that inning, they actually got some runs on him because he was getting them to roll balls right into between infielders. And it was, if you're Granky, you have to be just kicking yourself because no, I'm not kicking yourself, but you're kicking your luck because the ball is just avoiding your infielders. But if there's a double play scenario that where the uh, Astros need to be bailed out, you can put in Granky and he can get you out of the jam as well as give you a couple innings after that. I'll also add that I think um, both uh, both uh, Hauk and Pavetta have just been so, so good in almost long relief. Pavetta obviously gave you multiple innings in his uh, in that extra inning game. He, he, Travis, honestly, was just... I, I've, I think I probably heard someone say Nick Pavetta was electric. I think I've seen that like 10 times because it just really was just completely true. He just throwing... He cur- looked electric. He just throwing curveballs. It looks like it's, it like it's going to be over your head. Just drops into the zone. He just throwing wipeout stuff, um, blowing balls by people. He 
Uh, if he keeps that up, he is going to see a lot more. He could They could start him, of course, in the game, but I would honestly say let's keep our relief guys as relief guys because uh, he can give you three, four innings against a really good Astros lineup. Same for Hauk because Hauk, um, I think I've heard it also like 10 times where people will say this is right-handed Chris Sale because he comes at you at a funny angle. He throws both heat and a big wipeout slider, and no one can really tell which one is going to be coming um, if fools batters all the time. So I think in order for the Red Sox to have any chance to win, we need to see big performances from some of these pitchers. Evaldi has the potential to be great. Sale, of course, potential Hall of Famer someday. He has not looked good. And what I actually heard, Travis, I heard um, I heard Alex Cora actually say in a quote, Sale, he's open to using Sale um, out of relief hmm. going forward, which if that ends up being the case, is a very interesting option. But I just feel like there's not a lot of faith in Sale right now, which is... Obviously, a big concern if you're a Red Sox fan. You trust the guys you have. You know, you got Evaldi game one. You can go. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a million ways you could divide things up. But I just think that um, not having the confidence to, to, you know, go sail in a game one, I feel like that's the reason why he's on the team is mm-hmm. to give him that big yeah. game. Yeah. Start start on the right foot. But um, I'm, I'm sure Sox fans had the date circled on their calendar when Sale made his return because that was right. the day where our team got dramatically better. Even heard Gigi Hernandez say, Sale was kind of the big free agent signing or the big off-season trade acquisition that we got in August. And yeah. we knew with him we could ride him all day and he could ride us into the postseason. But right now, the last couple of starts, it's not looking too good. So, so I guess considering that, I wonder if maybe the plan is to move Pavetta into a starting role in place of Sale and kind of switch uh, switch them. Or you could also go you also go a Hauk in a starting role because mm-hmm. he, Travis, he um, had many, many good starts. And when Sale came back, they had to put Hauk in the bullpen which he's thrived in as well. But um, yeah, I, I guess I guess I'll just say that I'm a little shaky about sale, which is not a good sign. And um, there's not much at all I'm shaky about, about the Astros. I just feel really confident in their ability to uh, get it done. Mm-hmm. They've been here, done it before. But so the Red Sox, uh, a lot of their players, of course, Hernandez, um, so much experience with the Dodgers uh, in a lot of postseason runs. Obviously, you know, Devers and Bogarts have both been in the postseason before. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm leaning Astros as well. Um, I think, like you said, five or six games makes a lot of sense because um, the uh, Red Sox are not a team I want to count out at all. But, um, yeah, I've, I mean, you know, Devers can get you a game. Schwarber can get you a game if they both just, you know, ha- get a hot performance. But I think it'll come down. The Astros pitching, I think, is a little bit better. I think the Astros bats are quite a bit better. Um, so uh, it's hard for me to pick an MVP. I love the Tucker pick. I don't want to steal your pick. Maybe, maybe I'll go with the pitcher. Maybe I'll say... Uh, McCullers just continues to deal like Definitely. he did, like he did in the in the division series. Um, I assume he gets the ball game one. Uh, I'm not sure how many of these arrests he's gonna have before that first game, but um, you know he's gonna get multiple starts in the series for sure. He has the potential just to shut things down like always. Um, I really like his stuff, what he brings to the table. Um, he's kind of the ace, which you don't really kind of see him as like, oh, this is our number one guy. But I think he's been just as good as any other ace in the postseason so far. No, so one hundred percent correct in that. I, I was looking at his first two or his two starts in the division series, and you know over ten innings pitched, and I believe it was only one run, uh, one earned run given up wow. through ten innings, and again against you know a White Sox lineup that is very deadly, you know, and yeah. so it's cra- a White Sox lineup. It's a crazy good lineup, and the Astros almost made it look kind of weak. But yeah. think about it. Tim Anderson was hot the whole series. Abreu was MVP last year. Moncada is, you know, I think he had, like, one of the top five uh, 
on base percentages in the American yeah. League. Yeah. Luis yeah. Robert had such a hot, hot uh, September and October. Yeah. They just shut them down anyways. Grandal was a walking machine. Yeah. It didn't really matter. Yeah. And, that, he, and, and that even pitching took care of itself with the Astros. Young guys like Gavin Sheets showed up in the division series, and also right. Larry Garcia with a big three on homer. So some kind of just non. Um, I'll even show throw out Vaughn uh, and yeah. Vaughn on the uh, on the White Sox. You know these guys are very young and they show up and you know perform very well. So um, it gives you a little hope that some of the maybe the younger veterans, if you'd say, are um, if they have a good series too. This offense is unstoppable. But um, Red Sox Astros, I think it's a very good treat that we're going to be getting this um, this ALCS. I'm very very happy with it. Uh, two kind of I would say honestly just two teams that have I mean. The Astros have controlled the, the later half of the century, but I mean, the Red Sox all the way around, they've been kind of the team of the 21st century, in my opinion, just kind of creating uh, these little just dynasties of teams that go to the World Series and really don't have a problem. I think right now they are undefeated when they get to the World Series. So if the Red Sox can get to the World Series, they're, they're looking good. 4 0 in, in the 21st century. So it looks good. So uh, definitely, you know, something to keep an eye on. I will say, of course, um, if the Dodgers do, you know, the Dodgers do win tomorrow and they go in to play the Braves and they beat the Braves, what an, an interesting World Series to play the Astros or the Red Sox to kind of have that redemption World Series from 17 and 18 that you both lost. Um, wonder how that one would go. You know, I, I, I really want to know what what Yankee fa- or what Dodger fans would say um, who they'd like to play if it gets that way. You know, uh, you have the, you know, 17 Astros, which Dodger fans would love to greet them back at Dodger Stadium, but also you have the Boston Red Sox, which there was some scandalous stuff in, in the waters, of course, for that series. But um, the Red Sox, that series just took it to them. So um, yeah, I, I think it's I, I do I do want to know what the average Dodger fan is thinking. You know, if they do win the game tomorrow, do they want the the Astros? Do they want the uh, Red Sox? I feel like most uh, Dodger fans have more hate. For the Astros than anyone, no, definitely. Just because they know 2017, they were so close to winning that game seven. Of course, it came down, and then when the, when the series goes to game seven, and there was multiple like extra inning games, when you hear about the cheating, you just say, okay, well then that that's the difference maker right there. And I, I can't knock them for that. It's really gonna be. I, I I honestly just really hope that if the Dodgers win tomorrow, that we get to see a Dodgers Astros World Series. Just run it back. I think the ratings will go That'd through. Be, oh. The ratings will go through the roof. They, MLB wants that to happen. Trust me. Fox and MLB wants it to happen in a huge way. It'd be really fun though too to play the Red Sox and imagine playing the Red Sox and Kike and Verdugo go off against you. You know, just oh. imagine your ex players, people that you know you love. Um, same thing with the, the fans Dod- love them too. Yeah. Same thing with the Dodgers playing the Braves. You're playing Jock Peterson, which is a fan favorite, and then of course if you play the Red Sox, you're playing Kike, who is another fan and, favorite. And Travis, we might see Mookie Betts play in Fenway in Dodger blue. If that series comes something, alive, which will, I mean, I'm sure the fans will give him standing ovations because he didn't say I want out, no, you know, no, the, no, no, um, no. but it, it's just really going to be, it, it, there's so much potential for some great series here. I really just hope the Braves are not in the world series because it seems like the Dodgers are meant to have this kind of thing. You I know, know. And, and that's, and it's funny you bring that up because I actually, you know, I would be, I'd be actually intrigued with a, with a, with a Braves Red Sox matchup. I'd be intrigued with the Braves, uh, Giants match or a, a Braves um, Astros matchup. I don't know. I just, of course, I'm a big Freddie Freeman fan, so I, I I would love to see Freddie get his first ring. But it would not feel right 
to have them win this year without Acuna. Exactly my and, thought. And you're kind of just like... And as well as Soroka. The team... Ex- exactly. As, as well as losing Ozuna to uh, the team a domestic violence better. court case. <laughs> the, the team is better. You know, the people that they have signed to their team right now are better than the product we're seeing in the field. If this was their year, I just feel like, you know, what a waste. You could have done it in a year when you were actually elite unstoppable. Yeah. But yeah. if you just kind of like fluked into it, it'd be like, oh my goodness. Yeah, but, yeah. It, but... It, I, there's a, there's a potential for some a really amazing series because there's still some very good teams in this postseason, and it would definitely give their GM and their front office a lot of credit to, like I said, recreating Acuna and you and Rosario, Peterson, Soler, they've all been huge this postseason. Duval as month. well has been very good. Duval is another name too. They've all just been super super good and elite the last thirty days of of baseball, and so hats off to that front office for getting that sort of talent and building around that to create that kind of player. And then of course you go with the whole Zuna thing too. Um, you know, just a really kind of special uh, run they're having right now. And then of course, you know, the rise of Austin Riley. I mean, last year I feel like he wasn't really an, a huge name this year. He's could get top five in the MVP. So um, we'll see about that. But of course you got Freddie Freeman who of course had his uh, Kodiak moment against the uh, Brewers and Hater in that last game right now. But um that pretty much kind of wraps up this episode. I mean, we kind of just had a lot. We covered, of course, the wild card and the division series. Um, game five, which will be played um, tomorrow right now for us. But um, if Alex gets this out in time, we can get this done by t- by uh, tonight. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try to schedule this for a, a Thursday morning release. Hopefully, you guys can listen to it before game five drops. But, uh, Travis, yeah, next episode, we will bring them, you know, obviously. World Series preview. Yep. World Series preview, championship series uh, wrap-up. Uh, next week we'll get that out to you guys uh if you made it this far another pretty long one but not too bad um it should it, get shorter hopefully yeah i i think once we get the world series recap i can't imagine us talking about two we'll, teams we'll, we'll do game for, by game for two hours <laughs> but uh but yeah uh thanks so much if you made it this far you know like follow whatever you want to do we appreciate the support and we will talk to you guys next week presented by tool tools podcast <laughs>